Hello, I'm Jason McMaster. Welcome to the Quarter to Three Gaming Podcast for the week of 11-20. I'm supposed to tell you what my game of the week is not, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and pick the entire Wii U library since I can't play it. Uh, <laughs> also with me this week, uh, Josh Beiser. Josh, take it away. Hi, my, my name is Josh Beiser. I'm Jab on the forums, and my game of the week is not Epic Mickey 2 and the Power of 2. Oh, man. Nice. Uh, This is Rob Harvey, also known as Chaplin, on the forums, and my game of the week is not Halo 4 Firefight Mode. (laughs) Well, (laughs) oh, the safe bet. uh, (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) So, yeah, it's been a a pretty big week for gaming, but I've only been really playing one thing. Um, We were just talking about the the Wii U, which I guess can lead us quickly Mm -hmm. into some news. Uh, what I was going to say is, uh, it's supposedly still pretty easy to find Wii U's in my area. Um, I'm not sure how much longer that will last. Uh, and it's not that I'm, I'm really not that curious, because I, I just, I don't know. It's, it doesn't have anything that appeals to me quite yet. Um, I'm interested because, well, I just am interested. That's just how I am when it comes to a video game system. Uh, it's more interesting than a, a bucket of rocks or... <laughs> <laughs> or a snake, or a snake with a bucket of rocks. Um, well, I certainly get the feeling that a lot of gamers, quote unquote, or those with gamer cred, are kind of sitting on the side with morbid curiosity, uh, just kind of watching. Uh, so far, it seems like early reports were the higher internal memory one seemed to disappear right away, the the black one, uh, whereas the other ones seem to be a plethora available. But there seems to be some reports that they're disappearing, maybe not to be around by Black Friday. The only thing I know is when I went to a Fry's today, just out of sort of a morbid curiosity slash, you know, bag of rocks, uh, I noticed that there were not any of either variety to be had. Yeah. Um, I've been seeing mixed reviews about the games, too. I saw that zombie game. Some people say it's good. Others say it's just, you know, more of a concept rather than a full game. And, of course, Mario is Mario, so it's always going to get pretty high reviews among gamers. Sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing still has a decent, you know, despite... I mean, I could be wrong, but it could have a potential, assuming the, I don't know, general non-gamer crowd uh, isn't kind of done with just having a Wii in their, sit in their home, it seems like there's a chance for this to kind of pick up as sort of the easy family iPad that the kids can use kind of thing. It's yeah. I mean, there are there are of course uh, a bunch of weird situations involved in it. I mean, it's an upgraded Wii. It has better graphics. There, there's no doubt about it. The games look better. I mean, there's supposedly some bad load times. Uh, I don't know this from firsthand experience. I said I haven't really played with it other than a demo unit. Uh, and um, you know that doesn't bode well. Anytime you have bad load times. And it the things that concern me about it isn't. I, I think they'll do fine this uh, generation. I just don't expect to see the same kind of numbers that the Wii did um, because there's really not a lot that's going to sell it. And also, if you have multiple kids, who gets to pick the one that, you know, you get to play with, like, the cool controller? Oh, yeah. That, that's like the nightmare that I've experienced firsthand of trying to, say, play Fruit Ninja with the Kinect. Everybody wants to be the one in front of the TV sure. in their arms. So, and it leads to crying and fighting and then I finally give up my turn when the other kids can step in and Oh, sure, yeah, no. Whatever stops the crying. Um, 
my concern about the Wii U is with the multi-platform games, because the Wii never really was a good platform for that. And with the no. Wii U, the whole tablet, it just seems that it's going to be like weird. Like, how are they going to design memorable stuff for multi-platform games exclusively for the Wii U when they're busy trying to make the PlayStation and the Xbox version? I mean, let's not forget, didn't Nintendo, like, finally step the uh, step into the wide world of patching games within the last year and a half or so? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm a little curious about their internet strategy, which seems to be nothing. Yeah. Well, and it seems to really challenge what it seems like the last generation or current generation has shown us, is that the, the way that seems to be open that everyone's interested in is selling DLC content. Well, they kind of jumped out of the gate with very little room to DLC 2. So I'm not sure if they're really aiming what seems to be the next generation, which will probably be very app-focused, very DLC-focused, very digital distribution-focused. I remember hearing uh, problems when Super Meat Boy was announced for the Wii. There were issues with size and content. The Nintendo just wouldn't allow them on there. Yeah. Content-wise, they had a real big problem with it. They, uh, didn't they say they were going to, like, or was that Binding of Isaac? It was one of the two they were going to, like, have on there, and then it was like, never mind. <laughs> don't remember, but probably would be the Binding of Isaac. I think that's probably yeah. more disturbing of the two. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I hope it does well for them. I, I just, uh, they always have a week. Uh, launch lineup with the exception of what, like a Mario game or something. But like, th- their Nintendo Land software sounds a lot more pointless than Wii Sports. Uh, and the fact that you have to have four to five people local to play is kind of a weird thing in this day and age. Yeah. And yeah, with Wii Sports, I mean, I don't really have anyone around that can come over and play it. So I just like try like one time, like during the week of the launch, and then I never play it again. Oh, sure, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things that you can only bowl so much. Yeah, I do wonder how it will look over time, because I think a lot of people that's in the more of the gamer crowd are looking at, well, I already have these games, or I've already thought about these games, whereas once time moves on and they're being released at the same time, if there's a chance for it to build, or other, like, for example, I find myself probably in the market for one, but not for anything that they have up now I'll probably wait for oh. wave two or three. So yeah, that I mean that's kind of where I'm sitting too. Like I totally want the new Bayonetta, and there's a few apps that I'm sure, or a few games I'm sure that are like will be pretty cool. Uh, I just kind of I don't know. I I regret buying the Wii um, in a way just because I, I never got that much out of it, um, and I don't want to do the same thing with the Wii U. Um, and I mean it looks like. They they have some good points, but but I think you hit it on the head when it's like what's it what's it going to be like when everything starts getting released at the same time? Um, yeah, because you got to look at the new systems, and I think this is a, a valid point, and it's not sexy, it's not going to sell a console, but when a like the Xbox Seven Twenty or the PS Four or whatever it's called comes out, it may not have super advanced graphic features. You know, I mean, it'll probably be graphically a little bit better, not a ton. There's not a lot we can do uh, at this point. I mean, we can certainly beef up the graphic memory. We can do stuff with shaders, etc., and you'll see that. But 
looks-wise, it's not going to be that big of a difference. I think what we're going to be afforded with a new generation of consoles is a lot more freedom to create open-world stuff, to do a lot more calculations, store a lot more. And that's where I worry about Nintendo being able to keep up because, uh, I mean, not yeah, not for nothing, but like I've never seen a Wii game that is able to rival any other console's release of the same game. Yeah. So. Nintendo is good, made like stylish or visually appealing games, but I've never really oohed and ah the same way I like a Mario game that I did when I played like Grand Theft Auto 4 for the first time or Red Dead Revolution. Sure. Yeah, I really, I really kind of wonder. I mean, I'm trying to imagine what it'll look like because I, th- I think I think I definitely agree the direction you're going there. I kind of wonder if people are expecting something really big out of the next generation, just like they saw out of the last Switch of, of generations. And I wonder if once that hits and people go, oh, what we're looking at is a slight change and more of like a an app marketplace focus or something like that, and then say another S- uh, skew of, of Nintendo shows up that has more memory and they're more or less comparable systems that people will kind of change the way they think about it, but it's hard to say. Uh, yeah, I have, I have serious doubts that Nintendo would do that too. I yeah. just... Uh... They're they're pretty uh they're pretty stuck in their ways when it comes to uh yeah just the way they do everything. Yeah, they're still not really good at marketing towards the poor games that they lost a lot from the Wii. I mean, I keep seeing the 3DS commercials like the I'm not a gamer commercials. I'm just thinking to myself, these are probably the wrong commercials to run right now if you're trying to reappeal to the core gamer market that you lost over the last few years. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's kind of strange. I uh, wonder. I wonder how much that matters, though. I mean, is that the, the disappointing reality? Is that you know the core gamer doesn't matter? I mean, if they can pull in the casual gram, uh, gamer or the, you know just the the grandpas and grandmas that want to have a, a system in the house, or you know the parents that want to use some of the the inevitable uh, like teaching tools that combine with games that are you know with a built-in tablet. I mean, maybe that's all they need. Oh, and uh, yeah, I mean that's basically what Nintendo's kind of survived off of is that that market plus the uh, the handheld market, which is just gigantic. Um, Apple, of course, eating into that market pretty good. I don't know. We'll oh. see what happens with that. Happens with that. Now that is something that I thought was pretty interesting because I'm sitting on a 3DS that I kind of feel was a waste of money when I first bought it. But the one thing I'm looking forward to on the Wii U is Monster Hunter, and they've got some pretty neat features built in where you can pretty much move game saves between the two systems, or you can interact by having essentially a, a 3DS be a completely separate person playing in the same game that's in the Wii U. Oh, that's awesome. And, yeah, so I mean, they've got some neat things they're planning that definitely has my attention. So I didn't know the 3DS had a Monster Hunter game. Well, not... Yeah, that's that's, oh, oh, okay. that's one of the things that are, that's why I don't really care about the Wii U yet. But come around March, I'm super excited about what's happening with the Monster Hunter Tri Ultimate, which is pretty much going to be a, a major upgrade, it seems, from from the Tri, which I was the one Wii game that I really dumped a ton of hours into. Yeah, me too. I think it's funny that the two games I enjoy the most on the Wii were like the two least advertised: Monster yeah. Hunter and Xenoblade Chronicles. God, Xenoblade Chronicles yeah. is so good too. 
uh, that's one that I, I have sitting that it's on my backlog and I really want to. And it's so hard to go back to the graphics now. And I try not to be so graphic horish about it, but oh, I just wish that no. one was they held it for a little bit and it was on the Wii U or something. It's that no, that's absolutely understandable. I feel the same way about a lot of things, which is what really shocked me about my love of Dwarf Fortress. But I guess really in a way it doesn't matter if uh, if it's uh, something that's interesting enough to you. But, uh, yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles is a good game. I wish that the Wii U would do some sort of upscaling, but I know they're not going to do that. And it doesn't, that's not really Nintendo's bag in the first place. They're not super techno savvy like they used to be. They've been going safe ever since the, uh, that freaking bomb of theirs, the Virtual Boy. <laughs> yeah. With the exception of the, uh, DS, which I admit I thought was kind of goofy at first, just like I thought the 3DS was goofy, but both ended up being systems I really like. Oh, so you are a big fan of the 3DS, then? Yeah, no, I love the I love the 3DS. I haven't played it a lot lately, uh, but uh, I was I'm super impressed with the technology and uh, the controls, and uh, just on top of the fact that it's it's a much better looking system for 2D 3D gaming than they I think they really put out there in the first place, which is a shame because I think it should attract a more hardcore crowd. Like the Vita Vita, whatever the hell it's called, uh, but but Nintendo's just so afraid of telling people that they have something cool. Uh, they're afraid it's going to like scare moms or something. So uh, yeah, I don't really understand uh, their mentality. But yeah, it's uh, hardware-wise, it's a really slick system, um, and I, I would love to see them return to their their more hardcore stuff. I mean, God knows uh, their 3D technology and everything was pretty impressive for. You know, Mario 64 and everything. It's just, oh, well, they went the route of the safe. And, uh, that's yeah, the, much it. the DS is, I think it's probably my most played system in the last few years because a lot of smaller companies, a lot of like uh, more niche developers, really found some really great ideas on the yeah. DS. I love like 999. Uh, the World Ends With You is probably like, my most favorite game from Square Enix, period. And, it really just is one of those systems that it's just surprising that so many hardcore games came out on Nintendo system that has always been advertised as either, you know, kitty or, you know, more of an educational software. Oh, yeah. No, and that's the thing. Like, if you like, uh, if you like Japanese style uh, RPGs or like any kind of like weird outlier 2D art RPG kind of stuff, the DS or the PSP or the system stone for that. Yeah, I've definitely got a, a lot of entertainment, and has, I've really got most of my game time out of the, the DS with stuff like you know that stuff that Atlas brings in, mm-hmm. and I've been kind of disappointed. Oh, yeah. I've been waiting to see like that kind of revolution kind of start pushing in the direction of the 3DS. But it seems like stuff keeps going to the DS, and I feel like the 3DS really hasn't grown. Well, you know, it came. It comes down to I don't understand Atlas or Nipponichi software. Uh, I mean, I do because the, well, uh, they're they're not huge operations, uh, and it's obvious that the game engine they have they're very fond of, and apparently they spent money on it, and they are not ready to let go of it. So we're going to continue to see PS2 level their games until one day. Maybe they'll switch on the next generation. Yeah, there's still. I think it took them forever to make a PS3 game. I think. Yep. Four <laughs> or. Yeah, Sky of Four was the first, I think, PS3 of like a Nippon style. Yeah. 
and it still looks pretty much like the same, like graphics right. are cleaner, but like same exact visual style and graphics engine, you name it. So yes. No, I mean, I, I, well, yeah, basically you're right. They're just cleaner looking. They're they're higher res textures, and that's that's basically what they've used the PS3 for. And so, so if I'm waiting for that next gen 3D Pokemon, which I kind of am, then I'm still gonna have to wait for like 16 more generations times two a Pokemon that's just released to DS. <laughs> Good God, yeah, I. You know, you're right. They do just keep releasing all that stuff to DS. I don't understand that. Like, whereas, you know, Capcom did a few pretty cool 3DS titles uh, initially, and uh, I guess if they're doing a Monster Hunter, I mean, that's really good news. Um, I, I really kind of, I'm very curious to see what that looks like in person in 3D, because I know it's out in Japan, but obviously you can't you can't get that from videos about what it looks like on the 3DS. Yeah. And that could be a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, you can't. That, that's, I think, one of the problems with 3DS faces is the fact that you can't really see it via a video. You have to really experience it and have to get used to it. Um, but yeah, anyway, my news of the week: the Wii U. It's right. out there. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right, Rob, what have you got? Alrighty, I guess uh, to go the other another franchise portable franchise i guess um the playstation their little upgraded deal that you can get the playstation plus has recently released uh an upgrade that i guess gives vita vita i'm also not sure exactly which direction you're supposed to go (laughs) but apparently there's a whole truckload of pretty good titles that are now available and uh, as long as you have a subscription available you can get to enjoy them there's like an uncharted one and the wipeout i mean these are kind of games that people generally you see on the top you know releases type list so it seems pretty cool that for you know a minor subscription you can get access to these games you know i mean and this is pretty dangerous to me in a way because i keep eyeballing a vita 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 vegemin or whatever and i keep seeing this assassin's creed liberation deal with it and stuff and it's like oh i don't know i don't know but i it's it's painful because it's like i am interested in it because it has Persona 4 on it, and that just that makes my my like skin tingle. <laughs> I just want to play Persona so bad, uh, and uh, it, it won't do now that I know there's a newer version of 4. I can't just play 4, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I definitely uh, get the same thing. I, I really hadn't paid attention to it too much, but now I definitely am because because the Monster Hunter vibe, and I have a particular mm-hmm. friend in the forum that is all about playing Monster Hunter. So now he just picked up a. Vita, Vita, and he wants to play Monster Hunter Freedom Unite, and oh, man. There's, a, there's a good chance I'll be doing a uh, Black Friday sale to pick up the, uh, the Assassin's well, Creed combo pack. Yeah, on uh, Amazon, you can get it for 250 or whatever. I don't know what it is out there, but... Oh, yeah. I've seen a series of deals for 200 for oh, some of the different combo packs that oh, come man. with... Uh, uh, there's uh, the Black Ops one, which apparently you should avoid, like the play. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was it that was reviewed as giving the middle finger to gamers or something like that? And uh, well, I mean, it's Activision joint, right? I mean, it's uh, like yeah, it's like, yeah, like every every good deed is followed by two or three bad deeds. And, well, in Activision's well, anyway, so cackling. Yeah. Um, and, but uh, there's the, obviously the Assassin's Creed one, you know, so that's the one I'm looking at because that's potentially a, an interesting game on its own. Plus, it comes with a four gig card, which is nothing but still for free to have, you know, some memory. So there's a decent chance by the end of the week. In fact, I'd say really good chance that I'll be 
messing with the uh, another portable that hopefully won't end up in a desk drawer collecting dust, you know. Oh, I mean, it will. <laughs> like, yeah. Hopefully it'll last more than, like, yeah, a few months. I understand what you're saying. The sad thing I was looking at, I've been watching some of these YouTube videos of people like, oh, yeah, it does this, and I'm excited about this. And you look at the date of the video, and it was, like, shortly after release. And then you see some of the same people do an updated video, like, I don't know, several months later. And they're like, well, I don't really have any games for this, but this thing's great. And, like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's... But there's a few things I'm curious about because the Uncharted looks pretty cool. Uh, so does uh, God. There's actually a few things on there. Like there's the updated um, what's his name, the Res guy. Oh God, what is the name of that game? Luminous. The updated Luminous. There's Persona. Uh, there's that other rhythm game. Isn't there that weird Gravity game, Gravity Rush? Isn't that on there? I think that's one of the free ones that came up as part of the, the PS Plus oh, update. No joke, huh? Yeah. No, there's some pretty good titles buried in there. When I saw the list, I'm like, oh, that's that's not anything to sneeze at. Yeah, when, so. I, was, uh, when I last saw John Schaefer, he was all about some Gravity Rush. I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, I might be able to give you an update in the near future, depending on... Uh, um, anyone from Sony listening, uh, I am available for bribe. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, so uh, PS uh, Vita actually becoming a lot more attractive than the Wii U to me right now. So <laughs> we'll see. Maybe in three months I'll change my tune. So uh, hey, somebody, uh, yeah, somebody, give me one of those. Um, all right, so Josh, what have you got for us? My news of the week is the Kickstarter for Star Citizen. It broke the record for most amount of money crowdfunded with over $6 million pledged to it. Good Lord. Yeah. Is like, that the Chris Roberts yeah. space game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very curious about that, as I'm sure everybody in the world is, who's you know of our age group is curious. Cause I, oh, I, yeah. He did I, what? Wing, Wing Commander, right? Yeah, yeah Wing Commander is the, the big thing. And on the one hand, I'm really hoping for a, a renewal of the space sim genre on the other hand i'm kind of having flashbacks of of some of the uh the cave dog kind of becoming total annihilation becoming not really much after that despite everybody hoping for great things i've been like following it i'm not i never really got into the space simulator growing up but i've been following it and like looking at it, it just seems like amazing you know all the stuff that they have planned like all the different pledge levels and i was just, like looking at it and i'm like what the hell are they talking about? Like all these different spaceships, insurance on your ships. And I know, like for the uh, fans out there, they probably you know have that stuff like they know all about. And I think it's going to be interesting to see just how well this is going to basically appeal to people who've never played it, who've just heard about by name alone, by the fact that the Kickstarter earns so much money. Well, that's a good. I mean, that's a good question or a good point. Um, you know. And that might, I mean, hopefully that will bring a lot of people into it that may not have had the chance to, uh, you know, enjoy something like Privateer or Freelancer, both of which are such awesome games that um, God knows I spent a lot of time with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully that will bring some, you know, some more people in. You know, Kickstarter is such a fickle, fickle beast. Yeah. Uh, I'm personally waiting to see what happens as the backlash against Kickstarter starts to potentially hit. Um. So it, uh, yeah, it looks like a. So what? What's the deal with the game? Have you guys read much about it? Uh, is there any uh, anything that uh, stands out to you? 
I was just like looking at like all of the different stretch goals they had in mind that they actually hit. Oh, all of the ships. They supposedly got um a famous voice actor who's going to be doing one of the characters in the game, which they didn't say who it was. <laughs> huh. But do we know what kind of market model they're aiming at? Because if they're going for a single player space sim, that could be a really rough road to go down. I think it's single player, uh, online, offline, um, and it has co-op. I think it, I think they're shooting for something like maybe a more persistent freelancer kind of privateer universe. Um, yeah, you can. Uh, the, oh yes, okay, cool. Uh, just looking here, it's a persistent universe hosted by them, and then multiple multiplayer universes that you can host yourself. Uh, no subscriptions, uh, and, you know. So it's just going to be like a uh, economic uh, strategy. Yeah, one of their stretch. Uh, how did they reach six million? I mean, I'm looking at their Kickstarter side, and it looks like they have two point one on here, but it says they've reached six million. I guess they had multiple. Yeah, uh, buy-ins. Yeah, I heard that they did some of it from the actual website. You could go to um, the Robert mm -hmm. website and pledge money there. And supposedly I heard something about how he had backers who would give him money who would fund it, but they wanted to see if he could earn enough money first. But I never heard anything more about that. So I don't know, honestly, how much of it was indeed crowdfunded, how much of it was backed by these private investors. Yeah, there's a, you know, uh, here's the perfect opportunity for you, Josh. Uh, on the website, you can go for Grand Admiral at $2,700, which is pretty reasonable. Uh, <laughs> but, but what you get with it is, uh, you get a bunch of credits, you get some ship insurance, you get a spaceship shaped USB stick of the game and all digital elements. Uh, you get the soundtrack, you get a full color map, you get some blueprints. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it in here yet. Uh, oh God! Uh, One-hour video conference with Chris Roberts to ask him all the questions you like, which I'm sure that's going to be really fun for Chris Roberts. Yeah. And uh, all the questions. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what do you smell like? <laughs> What's your favorite color? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I'm not a wealthy man. Because if I were, I would make Chris Roberts very uncomfortable. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it looks really neat. Uh, I mean, and good luck to them. Uh, I would certainly love to see anything they, they can do. Uh, it's one of those genres that I don't think has been explored very well lately. I mean, outside of maybe the X2 and X3, um, which I enjoyed, but those games are so hardcore, it's kind of like a second and third job. Um, so I would like to see that. And uh, Yeah, I can't do EVE Online, so don't even mention it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't yeah. have I do not have the concentration for Eve Online. Yeah, me um, well, but, there's isn't that the Galaxy Under Fire or something on the uh, on the iPad, which seems to have a fair amount of popularity. I wonder if that will translate to people being curious that maybe have, don't remember or haven't played the genre. Uh, it might be, you know, um, there's a good chance. I mean, that would be great. I would like to see an explosion of that industry. I mean, not a literal explosion. I'd like to see a so a lot more come out of it. <clears throat> um, oh yes, it'd be it'd be nice for a world that's not just say first person shooters and RTSs. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I think what was interesting, at least from what I've been watching Kickstarter the last few months, is how so many games that got funded, like Planetary Annihilation, Wasteland 2, Project Attorney, these are all genres that were considered too niche, too out there for publishers to really uh, bank money on. And now, with Kickstarter, these games are getting that second chance in a modern market to hopefully attract some new fans. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things, too, where you want to go, ha-ha, publishers, uh, but realistically, it still wouldn't be worth it for them. I mean, that's why something like Kickstarter is really great uh, for that kind of thing. Uh, it's a publisher. I mean, what, $2 million to an independent developer or $6 million is quite a bit of money. To a publisher, that's not that much money because they have to deal with the fiscal media and all that stuff and all the extra jazz. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a really great platform for them, and I'm, I'm really happy for Chris Roberts. Still, it would be nice, though, if, if essentially this forces an experiment into the marketplace where the larger companies can see that these genres have life to them, and then, you know, so they don't just keep relying on rehashing the same formulas over and over. I mean, it, clearly it's not going to rebirth everything, but it could really cause you know a $6 million Kickstarter that then also results in a huge fan base later on could maybe get somebody's attention. Yeah. It's like this. Kickstarter for video games is like pornography for VHS. Let's hope it, uh, <laughs> hope it cements there. Uh, that green light semen its way. Uh, that's probably a poorly, <laughs> poorly cho- chosen term. Uh, so what is the uh, the buy-in for the rear master uh, Kickstarter level? Uh, I don't know if you're ready for the rear master level. <laughs> oh, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, it's like that old Sega uh, campaign. Or is that PlayStation? Well, they're ready. I think it's Sega. That's so lame. Uh, anyway. Uh, okay, so let's talk games of the week. And I have a feeling I know what my, uh, Rob and I are going to be talking about. So, Josh, why don't you go first in our games of the week category? Uh, let's see. The one that I've been playing a lot lately was it's this indie title called Cook, Serve, Delicious. I've seen you playing that a lot. I'm pretty curious. What? <laughs> yeah. Are you standing in line right now for a Wii U? Be honest. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know, everyone who keeps seeing me playing going, what the hell are you playing? Yeah, I think I literally have said that to you once or twice. <laughs> it was, um, I remember someone was talking about in a Kickstarter came in one of the Kickstarter threads, and it's a hardcore restaurant sim, as what it's called on the site. And what it is, is your job is you run a restaurant, you pick what food you're going to serve each day, and then when you play it, each item that you can cook is its own little, like, keyboard minigame. Like, if you want to make a pizza, you have to pick the ingredients, all keyboard, and then cook it, and then you serve when it's done. While something like you want to make soup, you not only have to do the ingredients, you also have to press the down um, arrow to represent your, like, cutting up each ingredient. Oh, God. It's like cooking mama or something? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Well, it gets really complicated once you get to the point where you have to cook, like, six, seven things at the same time while managing, you know, something may be burning while you're trying to finish something else. Like, it won't let you switch from one item to another if you're in the middle of preparing it. So you could be, you know, having trouble making lasagna, and then all of a sudden, you know, three, four things are, you know, giving you an alert that they're going to burn if you don't get it out. And it does a good job of rewarding if you do it. If you start playing well enough, like you unlock upgrades for each item that basically makes the item harder. 
for when you cook it again. Like the first time you cook like an item like steak, you only have like two, three ingredients to mess with. When you upgrade, it'll go to four, and then it'll go to five, and so on. And it's just like one of those games that's a, it's great just like zone out. Right? It's, oh yeah. It's simple enough that you know you can just sit and play like a few days of at a time, but it's engaging enough that it doesn't feel like it's mindless when you play it. Yeah, it sounds like uh, my extreme love for Rock Band, where I just kind of sit and listen to music I like while tapping along uh, in a rhythm. It's it's pretty easy to uh, phase out. But so, like, I guess one of the big things you're saying is that you have to time everything so it comes out around the same time. I mean, that's like a real deal with cooking, of course. Yeah, well, you have to time because certain food basically cooks at different intervals. Like, if you want to do... Well, yeah, there's uh, the one-minute like, timer, the two-minute timer, the three-minute timer, right? <laughs> yeah, You yeah. just push the button, and then you wait. <laughs> you set it, forget uh, it. <laughs> like, when you cook it, once you finish it, it will go into the cook, and you see, like, little clock spinning around, letting you know when it's done. Yeah. But if you're not careful, certain food like pasta, once it's done cooking, you then have to add all the ingredients to it. So if you do, like, three or four at the same time, then you have you know, to go through each one really quick, adding those ingredients while the other three are about to burn. And then there's, like, these little, like, cooking challenges. Like, they have, like, a little Iron Chef parody that you can do. Nice. That they just throw, like, um, you have to do eight, you do, like, five waves of eight orders of peas. You know, do it all super fast without uh, messing up more than two times. And then there's, like, there's a strategy with what food you have on your menu. Like, some food is considered too fatty. Like, you have more than two. It'll hurt, like, your restaurant rating, which determines how many people visit you in a day. So, if it's too fatty, if it's, like, not heart smart? Yeah, like, <laughs> put, like, pizza, cheeseburger, fries, and... Uh, that would just help your rating, I would think. Yeah. And so... It, it's a good job of, like, like, if you won't play it safe, you have, you know, all health food, all very simple food, which won't earn you a lot of money. Or you can just do what I do, play all, like, the hardest food on the menu and make it as, like, as hard as possible and just, like, overwhelm yourself with, like, key commands. Yeah. <laughs> this is um, this is reminding me of, of the uh, the trucking game that was mentioned a few podcasts ago. And oh, I'm, start- yeah. I'm starting to wonder if there's just something that's that gamers, as we've grown up, there's just something kind of weird that's ingrained into our system where, you know, we could make, you know, file clerk the video game, and as long as it has enough dopamine hits in it with different tasks to do, we'll be okay. <laughs> you know, that it's actually a really funny point, and it makes you wonder if it's like the fact that we spend so much time messing around with computers and so much time indoors now as a people, we don't really do these outdoors tasks, so it's almost novel to some of us to... <laughs> I mean, you know, I went to cooking school, and you see how far that got me. Uh, so, cook, serve, delicious does sound kind of interesting. Um, yeah. I, I really like the idea of it, um, but it, I don't know, it might start making me have flashbacks and get all stressful and stuff, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, it's uh, How much does it cost? Uh, is it available on Steam? It's not on Steam, is it? You have to buy it at their uh, site. Yeah, not right now. These, let me just... Quickly Google this site again. It's they're trying to get on Steam at the moment. They have a Steam Greenlight account. Nice. You can go. Their website is vertigogaming.net, and that will take you to the. They have other games, which, from what I've heard other people talk about, they're sort of like have like the same sort of base concept of it. 
but Cloakstar Delicious seems to be like the, I guess, the most complete of that. And it is currently eight ninety five to buy it. Oh, yeah, and, they, and they've said that if they do get on Steam Green, if they actually pass Steam Greenlight, they will give anyone who buys it through their site Steam Keys when they have it available. Yeah, that's uh, I got it on something like that with Towns, which uh, Towns, you know, just recently came out on Greenlight. Hmm. It's a really cool game. Um, also, uh, for, uh, as a note, uh, it's available. Uh, Cook serve delicious sulfa uh, available for the Macintosh, uh, which oh, does that's... make a difference to some people, me included. Well, definitely jump out there and go and go grab it right now. So, um, yeah, no, it sounds really neat. Uh, Steam Greenlight actually. Well, if I hopefully it'll pick it up because uh, Greenlight's uh, Greenlight's doing a lot of interesting stuff. Let's hope it keeps doing it. Yeah. Um, and all right, so I guess, uh, Rob, would you like to go now, since I'm sure we have the same game of the week? <laughs> sure, well, judging from, from friends list, I'm going to assume everybody has the, the same game of the week this, this time. <laughs> Quite a few of them, at least. So, uh, <laughs> I see some holdouts. God, yeah. somebody, somebody on my list was playing World at War earlier. It's like, oh, you crazy bastard. <laughs> you carefree son of a bitch. Look at you go. Well, he's saving up, or he's just trying to make a statement. I'm not sure which. <laughs> <laughs> Purist. That's right. So I'm not going to follow you guys, but uh, I actually got a, I got a, a message like the first night, and, and some and uh, Mary Franks were sent me a, a message that says, "So, uh, yeah, I'm going to guess uh, that Call of Duty thing just got released because I'm sure his." <laughs> Friends list looked like mine, which was just filled with Call of Duty. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I always have the pleasure of having, like, Matt Keel and all these, uh, and, like, Tom, of course, and all these other people. So I always get to, like, a couple of days before I start seeing all these games pop up. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I get them, too, but if not, I like to get on there and just curse at them. So just keep that in mind. It's fun to curse at Tom. Oh, is it? All right, yeah. yeah I, like I enjoy it. <laughs> it's your favorite pastime before he orders you. Well, where he would have ordered you in the last segment to make sure that you you have to go out to the restaurant, McMaster, to place placate all the uh, all the guests while while Josh and Rob are over here uh, cooking the uh, souffle. All right. Yeah, that that does seem uh, that does seem about right. Um, yeah, which is funny. I just watched uh, uh, a movie. I don't know if you guys have heard of called Hero Dreams of Sushi. Uh, it's a pretty cool independent movie about the only three-star Michelin, uh, Michelin three-star uh, sushi restaurant in Japan, or the first at least. I'm not sure if it's the only anymore. But yeah, I, I cook, serve, delicious. That kind of reminds me of it too, as it goes through the whole process. Um, but yes, no, Call of Duty. There is no doubt that it yeah. is popular. Um, Call of Duty Black Ops. Apparently, the uh, claims that the game is being repeated and no one will buy it are just utterly not true, and Activision doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it seems to be doing just fine, and it does just fine because of, uh, embarrassingly enough, people like me who uh, I nothing personal to single player. I've actually uh, been messing with it. It's kind of cool. But it's not why I purchase Call of Duty games. Um, yeah. Which brings me to uh, Brewski asked last week in the forums about the difference between uh, a Halo and Call of Duty type uh, player uh, and game style. Well, I guess to answer that, you would have to start with a quick definition of both of the games. In Halo's multiplayer, the maps are medium to large. There's one or two small cramped ones, but on average the maps are medium to large. Um, they have 
vehicles, there's wide open spaces, there's a lot of sniping, um, that kind of thing. Call of Duty maps are small to medium small. (laughs) They're all infantry-based shoeboxes. Yes, (laughs) and they are for 12 to, if you want to get nuts, 18 players, which were very few people get nuts, uh, comparably to the just 12-player versions. Uh, Maps that uh, pit... Well, actually, I guess there's a three v or four v four v four now, isn't there? Three v three v three, which I, I played, and that actually was a fairly entertaining new mode. Yeah, it, it sounds interesting, but uh, on average, it pits six people versus six people uh, over different game styles. Um, and Call of Duty games are fast and violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halo games are they're more jumpy. You know, Halo Halo is a game where you will sit there and joust with someone for quite a while before one of you dies. Call of Duty games are very fast in the way they kill you. Um, so uh, there's kind of this, I don't know, there's just like a completely different feel to the games. Uh, and I feel that the Halo style is just kind of on the way out. I mean, to me, uh, I... It's almost like a comparison between Counter-Strike and Team Fortress, except Team Fortress, you can still kill people really fast. Uh, Halo is just, uh, I don't know, it just is kind of bouncy, and and I really just only liked it for co-op up to four. Bouncy is a really good term. Uh, The the thing I always go to is, uh, to me, it's a very buoyant game. I mean, they're going for this whole low grab with the jumping, and everyone has shields, so the whole trick in Halo is you have to shoot them enough times that the shield goes down, and then you have to shoot them a few more times. To kill them. Yeah, yeah. so whereas Call of Duty, it is a, a Pavlovian structure where it's designed so that you get as many little hits to your excitement level as you see these points pop up out of people and you drop yeah. you know, three or four with just a you know, swing of a gun kind of thing and then you respawn and then of course because you're in a shoebox you see four more in front of you and you pop 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 all of them right that's, and, and that's that's basically it right you you never stop doing something in call of duty there's no there, there's rarely a oh i have to go find an enemy to kill you know, you're going to find one or someone's going to find you. Uh, yeah. And I, I think the other big thing that that it misses, and some people hate this, I personally am quite fond of it, is the, the leveling structure, the unlocks. I know a lot of people dislike it, but it gives me, like, like you're saying, Rob, the Pavlovian feeling of gaining points and making some mm-hmm. sort of, like, progression, even if it's for nothing. You know, I, I just... Uh, there's something about seeing those points and going, I got more points than that guy. That guy sucks ass. And it makes, <laughs> you, it makes you feel better as a man. Uh, so, uh, And as a lady, I'm sure, too, because there's plenty of ladies out there that are much better at Call of Duty than I am. I mean, you know, I don't know any of them because I wouldn't be their friends. But, uh, yeah, and my wife's giving me the finger. And, <laughs> but, oh, but y'all, uh, anyway, we'll leave that off. Um, I think... <laughs> But uh, it's 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 just def- it's definitely a, a different feel. Um, it's just a, a very quicker. It's a quicker process. Um, yeah. When I when I've tried to condense it, I think I mentioned this to you recently. When if, if I were to try and describe it to, to Bruce quickly, if he were here, to me the Halo game is it's like a trampoline fight with squirt guns. Yeah. Whereas the Call of Duty games is. Uh, uh, a needle gun simulator in a balloon factory. Yeah. 
And you know, there's just kind of different. And I would agree to you that Halo is probably the older model. Um, it, it feels much closer to say that the you know the Doom Plus model, I guess. I mean, it has some vehicles, but it is very very much feels traditional deathmatch. But at the same time, I think Call of Duty is also it's really leaning heavily on that that level up Pavlovian thing. Oh yeah. Wonder, wonder when that's going to finally break and people will look for something different. Yeah, it's really hard to say. Uh, it really is. I haven't seen too many uh, multiplayer models that have strayed too far from that yet. Um, I would like to, but I, I can't imagine we're going to see a lot of it, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, they seem to even be going closer to it. I mean, oh, you yeah. see some of the... Battlefield, I mean... That's it's... what I was about to say. <laughs> Battlefield's gone to this very quick time to kill, and you know, even though their maps are large, they kind of make it so you have different ways to get to each other pretty quick, and they oh, yeah. will die really fast. You get that sense of you know, basically, it comes down to who saw who first most of the time, and and you know, it makes you feel good. I guess if you're the one who saw the other guy first. I mean, and you know, not for nothing, that Metro map is uh, pretty popular for a reason. Yeah. Oh yes, oh yeah, you can definitely see the maps are popular not because of their tactical <laughs> back and forth. It's just from like that just raw action per second. It seems like I still I think there's two types of players. There's there's snipers and there's people that want to stab snipers. <laughs> Uh, and I'm both, uh, oddly, uh, <laughs> depending um, on the day. I'm with the stabbing of the snipers. I'm, I keep keep wishing for a game to go, okay, you're a sniper. Well, that means you have to sit over here for the next four days, and then you'll get an opportunity to shoot one guy. Go ahead and be that class. Yeah. <laughs> as, as opposed to what video games have made it, which is, you know, they're all carrying around, you know, mini nuclear missile rifles well, that just you hit you in the finger, and somehow just because it has a scope on it, it makes your body explode. Well, I blame Counter-Strike for that. Um, I, I realized what they were going for with their ultra-realism model with the fact that, like, if you get hit anywhere with a large caliber rifle, you are out of the fight. <laughs> like, it's not like you're going to be like, oh, man, I feel, uh, man, it hit me in the, like, wrist. I, I'm sure I can go on. You know, it would just, like, blow your hand off, and that would be it. But it got a little crazy. Uh, I think they even kind of corrected that some, because I used to shoot people in the toes. And that was like my my awesome kill shot with the the AWP, AWM, whatever the hell anybody wants to call it. Yeah. And I think what the interesting about the whole leveling system is how it really has been adopted by like the free to play community, like World of Tanks. Yeah. And it's just so popular because it allows you don't really need a lot of like changing content. You just need like that stable base and just have like the tier content system to keep people coming back for more. And I think it's going to probably get bigger before it goes away, just because of how easier it is to basically sell people on DLC. Because you're not, it's not the same as, you know, you get a new um, costume. It says, like, we'll give you, you know, a new weapon, we'll increase the leveling cap, and so on. Yeah, yeah uh, no, absolutely. And, uh, no, yeah, go ahead, Rob. I was going to say, that, that really... Again, the recent podcast was talking about natural selection. I had the same like fight with myself over this because natural selection two, the recent release through Steam, is an incredible game. It really is neat with the asymmetry and the two sides. It absolutely makes sense that there shouldn't be a meta game because, as was talked about, you don't want a meta game with something where it's supposed to be um, a matter of opening moves and followed by moves. You want everyone to start at the same place, but at the same time, it seems like there's something broken in me now where I feel like you know, with game time that isn't as 
as abundant as it used to be in, in younger years, I feel like I have to be accomplishing something. Unless there's this metagame that I did, you know, I got X, Y, or Z, I feel like it's it's wasted time. And, and that's, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's true of me, too. I mean, I always can't really play games anymore that are just like that static experience where, the, where you know, when it's all over, there's nothing really to show for it. Even if the game is really good, it just feels like so many games these days are really occupying my time. That if there's something for me to work towards, I can say, okay, let me play, you know, two, three more matches of this. But like, same with Natural Selection 2. It's a great idea. I was playing it last week as well. But I mean, after like two or three of like the same type of gameplay, I was like, there's just really nothing there that can grab my attention. It's going to make me keep coming back to it because I've already gotten used to the gameplay. So I just, you know, let it slide at that point. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you and I, uh, Josh, have been playing some Darkness too, which has a surprisingly good uh, co-op multiplayer. Um, I can't really hype that game enough, but it gives you that ability to kind of go through and like build your powers via a skill tree like the single-player game on a bunch of different characters. So it certainly gives you something to work for. Well, yeah. even in, in, to bring a little back to Call of Duty even, I mean, there's two modes there, and the mode that I primarily picked up the game for was zombies, but there really yeah. isn't any progression to zombies, whereas no. there is in the multiplayer, which I don't enjoy nearly as much if I'm honest with myself. But if I'm playing zombies, I kind of feel guilty uh, because I'm not gaining extra points or extra guns or extra little pieces or doodads or whatever, and it seems silly that I should feel guilty about something like that. I uh, Yeah, I feel with Call of Duty, if this makes you feel any better, that the way you should have approached the zombie parts of any Call of Duty game is to not front-load them, to not burn yourself out on them, because you will never be able to play it again. I, uh, I, I, I taught myself that with the World at War, and there's not there, there's stuff there, but there's just not enough there, like there is in the multiplayer. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, take it as a guilty pleasure. I do wish they would um, develop that mode from the offset, or, or do something a little less puzzle-based, um, and, and not wait so much for... Like, for example, it feels like a good reason to play Black Ops 1 now, if you're in a zombie mode, is because you have all these choices and all these yeah. different strategic maps to play around with. And then if you go to the new modes, then it's like, okay, you have almost nothing, so you're going to burn out on each little segment you have right. until you know, a year from now when there's you know, ten times the content. Or Left 4 Dead 3. That's all I'm saying. They need to add some progression-based content in Left 4 Dead 3. Definitely. Yeah. I played so many hours of Left 4 Dead. Dude, you are... If I think of Left 4 Dead, you're the person I think of. Because, like, (laughs) on my friends list, it was like you and my friend Howard are both, like, never not playing it there for some time for a point. There was, like... I was kind of (laughs) worried. Is he okay? Quick, check on him. Something's wrong. A zombie ate him, or he's cooking. I'm not sure. One of the two. (laughs) He's cooking zombies. Quick, he's trying to get it all done in three minutes. Oh God, no. No, it's uh, that would be great though. Um, But no, back to our game. Sorry, we'll meander there. But back to the game of uh, the week. Um, Black Ops Two is doing. Quite a quite an entertaining job of uh, keeping me going. I've uh, I've played quite a bit lately. How have you been finding it, Rob? 
I've definitely enjoyed it. I am really not a Call of Duty fan. I tend to skip most of the franchises. Every time I dip into it, I seem to really not enjoy the multiplayer because it seems so brutally unforgiving to somebody who's not in it each <laughs> round. I mean, it's it's sort of the Madden of shooters. You get these minor adjustments each year, but people play it every year, and they're super into it. So it, it can be a real rude shock to try to play it. But there's been some... Like, the way they change their their create a class system is pretty neat where you basically have 10 points and you can get into interesting decision making yeah that's interesting yeah I, I find myself a lot of times like oh do I want to unlock this thing that gives me two of a particular category because that essentially makes those two things cost three points and I only have ten is it worth it to me kind of thing I like having two secondary grenades so it's hard for me sometimes I yeah really, I've, I've really, really like two secondary grenades especially as I know you and I are both fans of uh, Dominion I have really gone for Dominion with a pair of the, um, the, oh, shoot, the Bouncing Betty mines. Uh, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, those are great. Have you used the shocker things yet, like the electric like shock grenade things? Oh, yeah, I've definitely uh, enjoyed those or tried to use those. The problem is, is they tend to uh, give themselves away so much or they get destroyed and spam pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing with those uh, I found is I like to kind of throw them just at somebody. Yeah, oh, that's true. <laughs> Shock grenade here. Man, they hate that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I really like the, the creative class system. I'm actually about to roll over to my first prestige rank um, within probably the next – day or so and so i'm kind of curious just to see uh i know it's a big temptation to like not do it just because you're like man i got all this stuff but uh at the same time it unlocks a bunch of achievements and stuff so i'm kind of curious ah, the pavlovian hit gotta make sure to get all the achievements. oh yeah it's big time it's kind of like what they did in uh i think there was some of that in max Payne 3 as well where you would like you would unlock a certain level of stuff, and then after that, more stuff would unlock that you could do, and it's like, oh, God, it's never going to stop. It's like a <laughs> skill tree from hell. I, I must say I've been toiling over whether or not, because I'm also pretty close to the prestige if I want to do it, because I, I sense that my interest in the game is, is potentially hitting its height, and I'm not sure if I really want to risk losing all the stuff that I have access to now by prestiging over and then you know being distracted by something in the near future. It's true, uh, you know, and I will say this though: the you level through prestige a lot faster than you level through the first one through fifty-five, at least initially, because you unlock all of those freaking uh, achievements, and those all give you a ton of experience, and a lot of them are pretty simple to get. Uh, so it just kind of, you know, you kind of rocket through the levels at first, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. You know, it's a uh, it's temptation, specifically since at like level fifty-five you unlock ghost, which is my favorite. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm sure about the whole ghost thing, and I really, it seems like they've tried to do a lot of things to make it an anti-camp game. I mean, you have a little, little scope uh, or you know, sight attachment for guns that lets you see people that aren't moving. Yeah. And there's all the, you know, the usual ones about silence and not silence and can't be seen by UAV and the ghost, which is they changed so it only works if you're, you, you'd only disappear if you're moving a little yeah. bit. That causes people to just do like an XCOM shuffle in Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so if like you're moving fast, it doesn't uh, remove no, it anymore. Yeah, it seems like only if you're um, moving. Well, you'd have to be moving because they don't want it to. You know, the old ghost abuse, I guess, was to just have ghosts sit in a corner and, and mow people down. Where now, if you do that, you'll still <laughs> it appear. It's really entertaining. Yeah. So I'll now, if, 
So now as long as you just wander back and forth in a corner, um, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, as long, yeah. as long as you do the Charleston for a bit. Or you, yeah. uh, you have to have a little schizophrenic conversation with yourself and then pop somebody that runs around the corner. So. Perfect for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's pretty enjoyable. I've enjoyed it. Um, I'm tempted to see if I want to do the, the map pack because it comes with an extra zombie map even though I haven't messed with the zombie as much as I would like to. That? From what I understand, the zombie, which would be the Nuketown zombie, is released sometime in December. So that's kind of an uproar for those that paid the extra money for the... Um, like, for example, I really wanted to chase down the Harden Edition when it was released because I thought that would be the only way to get the zombie map, and that's really what I cared about. And since there's only really one zombie map from the start, I, mean, I guess technically there's, uh, what, four, but there's really only one. Yeah, um, it was a big deal to find that, and then as soon as I found out on release day that you would get the zombie Nuketown with uh, the map pack or the season pass, I'm sorry. Then I'm like, well, what the heck? I'll save twenty bucks and I'll go ahead and buy the season pass. Yeah. So. so yeah, I actually might get the uh, season pass. I always, I'm a sucker for that stuff because I don't know. I play them in like weird kind of jags. Like I'll play Call of Duty for. You know, a few weeks, then I won't play it. Then, like, a map pack will come out like next year, and I'll play it for a few weeks, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm probably going to do the map pack as well because I can kind of see myself going in bursts on this one. Yeah, it's it easy nice. to do. Yeah, it'd be nice to just not have to think about it and just kind of wait for those zombie modes to, to maps to build up and then to kind of enjoy them later on. Yeah, and that's how I've been treating Borderlands too as well, which I know Josh uh, was playing because they just had a new DLC come out. Um, what was uh what's it called does it does it up the level cap no it doesn't they've added uh, it's called like mr torque's uh, arena of carnage or something like that they add a new um, currency that you can get by doing like the new arenas for the oh. dlc and they've also been adding in like level 50 like because it's like their raid content like super hard bosses that you can fight they did something with the last dlc the scarlet one yeah that went beat these level 50 bosses, they give you this new resource, I think Seraph Crystals, which can be used to buy, like, the, I guess, the most powerful loot in the game. So they added that. So they have another one of those bosses for the new DLC. Nice. From what they were talking about, I think, in a recent interview, they said they, they're looking into either raising the level cap in a future DLC or allowing you to, I guess, level up in another way without raising that cap. Huh. Well, I mean, they need to do something like that, but I am kind of curious about all the the stuff they've been adding. It's like they're they're positioning it to be a, a much deeper game than Borderlands 2 was at launch, which wasn't a particularly shallow game, but uh, I would like to see a few more levels added to it. That would be pretty awesome. Uh, and that's the great thing about a Borderlands. I have the season pass uh, on PC as well as I know you do too. Um, that just, uh, you know... Like, in a few months, if I want to come back and play through with a new character, it'll be pretty easy to do. And uh, it'll be a bunch more content. So it's it's just a good purchase. Yeah. I was going to say, when you say new character, to me, that really is what rings true. It seems like they've been kicking around the idea. I mean, they already did it with the Necromancer, but it seems like they're kicking around the idea of releasing more characters. And, and to me, that seems like... I When I look at the DLC for the Borderlands, I generally don't care about the 
the new areas and stuff because there's usually so much that I didn't see the first round through anyway. But oh, a whole yeah. other character class, now I'm interested. Sure, yeah. Though I will say the Mechromancer is not the most exciting. However, I would like to see some more classes. Yeah, the Mechromancer seems, uh, from what people have been saying, she is a little bit overpowered. I know yeah. her robot just kicks all kinds of ass. It seems yeah. like the most powerful of the special abilities. Yeah, big time. Uh, it's uh, it's crazy. I played up to the teens with it, and you just kind of click the button to fire that thing off and go run and hide behind something. <laughs> uh, that's where I think Tom would have said something. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, probably, but he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so there. Is this the time when you quietly will cuss at him or something? I don't yes, know. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, Black Ops 2 is still going pretty strong. Uh, I'm really confused with something they did uh, after this weekend, which is there was a Nuketown 2025 uh, rotation where it, or, or map uh, queue where people that bought the game could just you know and downloaded the Nuketown map could jump in and uh, play just Nuketown on a variety of games, which Nuketown is very popular. Called oh, yeah. fans, uh, and for some reason they have removed that uh, playlist. Now they replaced it with something called Bonus, um, some sort of mosh pit map pack, and it's just for like or map playlist, and it's just for smaller maps, which includes Nuketown. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, when I, I saw them do that, I was really scratching my head because Nuketown was very, very popular because it was the most extreme of these differences we were talking about in, in Halo versus versus Call of Duty in that the map is real small with huge open sight lines everywhere, so the action was ridiculously uh, intense, and that's why it was so popular. And I think the reason what they were doing was they were doing it because it was also, if you were approaching it from an EXP, it was, you could just crunch out tons of exp by playing modes on that one uh but which seemed to also kind of it's like they have multiple personalities where one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing because also the news that i saw as some of the comments in the the last podcast was that there's this whole league thing and when you're playing the league play everything's opened up so that makes me think they're kind of testing the waters on something where it's like, hey, we don't need people to be chasing the carrot. Let's give them all the toys and let's let it be just competitive and enjoyable. But this seems to be completely fly in the face of that kind of an attitude. It's it's kind of interesting, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, the league play I've actually placed in, and it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of guns to play with before you find just the right gun combination for yourself. Also, put it that way. Yeah, that's one of my biggest worries when they when they when I was reading up about that. It seems like Call of Duty, it it they know that they're going to do another release a year later, and they're not usually looking at it like it's an esport with super balancing. There's usually I mean, it's still early in the game, so nobody knows what it is. But there's going to be the whatever the FAMAS of, of Black Ops Two eventually, where everyone's going to be using this one class structure build up with this one gun and everything. So I don't sure where this is going to go with the whole league play. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm curious though. It's uh, I think they might be realizing they can't just keep doing it. Uh, the same thing. Uh, I think eventually it's just going to kind of... I mean, sure, they can still sell it, but 
I, I don't think it's I, I don't think they can survive forever off of it. So I think they're trying to set themselves up for more of a online league kind of thing, which is probably a smart move. Mm-hmm. I think that's move. I think that's one of the problems for me with trying to get into Call of Duty. Like, whenever Steam has, like, the free weekend, I try to play it. Well, of course, that's, like, a year or two from when it was released. And by then, everyone's already got, like, the best strategies or no, like, the oh, best yeah. weapons. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I start playing and it's basically me seeing, you know, the death uh, countdown to respawn like, for 20 minutes. I just get, like, sniped or... I get just, like, killed immediately. I have, like, no idea, you know, what I could be doing. And of course, I only have two days to play the game before it goes oh, back yeah. being, uh, you have to pay for it. Well, that's, you know, that's one big reason for me that, it, like, they're... I like to get games at launch, specifically if they're games I'm interested in. However, um, there are very few that I feel necessary to play at launch, and one, and one of them is Call of Duty. Uh, not, I mean, if not the day it comes out within the first week, because after that, you're just at a huge disadvantage. Yes, so let me recount what happened to me the week before Black Ops 2, as I was not sure if I wanted to get into Black Ops, because I've been pretty hit and miss with the franchise in general. I wasn't sure if Zombie would be enough for me to go and purchase it. So I already had Black Ops 1. I figured I'll go ahead and jump in multiplayer and see how much I enjoy it. Um, I mean, this is well into the cycle of the game, and instantly I'm being, I mean, I've got nothing. I've got basic basic guns, no attachments, no skills, anything, and I'm just getting mowed down, and I actually get a lucky kill on somebody. And next thing I know, I'm getting invited to a party chat, and I'm like, oh, okay, these guys want to help out the new guy or something, or they want to, you know, work on some, no, no. What they wanted to do is tell me that, haha, Chaplain, I got you, I'm right behind you, I'm not even using my good gun, Chaplain, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm like, Oh, okay, that's why I don't like to play these games. <laughs> well, yeah. I think there's there's sort of like this um, contradiction for me with, we were talking about earlier with the metagame content, and how I want games to have more metagame content. I would like something like that in Left 4 Dead, like that natural selection. But as we said, the more metagame content there is, it does sort of break that balance. It just makes it very not friendly for someone new trying to learn that game. Oh yeah, no, it's it's the problem with something like League of Legends, which I wholeheartedly love. It's a game I've played a lot of, um, but it's one of those games that, man, when you first start it, you you gotta want to, you know. Mm-hmm. There there's no like uh, jumping in and getting a friendly game. Yeah. Uh, because no matter what, uh, somebody is going to hate you. Of course. Right. <laughs> League of Legends is. Is and that that whole MOBA genre, which I nicknamed the fratricide genre, the angry it, angry genre. Oh yeah, there is there is no faster game to get yelled at. Um, but that yeah. being said, I think uh, League of Legends is both interesting in that they seem to have gotten something utterly right, and then also something that maybe will prove to be utterly long in the long term. The, the wrong one being what I think you were just describing, which is eventually it steamrolls with more and more characters, and it becomes very difficult to to know what's going on if you haven't played it in a while or if you're new. Uh, But the other side that they think they got right that other companies are trying to emulate and are not potentially doing it as well is the model of a MOBA is so nice because everything is encapsulated in one character. So if if you've spent a lot of time and you have a bunch of characters, well, that's fine. You have a whole bunch of compartmentalized bonuses. Whereas a lot of other games, they're not compartmentalized. They stack on each other. Like in a, in a Call of Duty, you get you know the, your favorite 
submachine gun with your favorite three perks with your favorite. I mean, it just stacks and stacks and stacks. And somebody who's got, you know, 100 hours is clearly going to have a little bit of a leg up over somebody who's got one hour. Um, now, the one thing I will say about League of Legends and its style that makes it a little weird is first they have gym pages, uh, which you unlock as you level up. And as you hit level 30, that's when you really start competing. Yeah. Um, so you do have kind of like that fairly long buffer to learn what's going on um, before you hit serious uh, frown town, which is level 30. <laughs> it is downtown frown town in a lot oh, of yeah. these games. And it, and it comes fast, and because it's free to play, you get a lot of smurf accounts that are just apparently there to make your life, well, frown town. Yeah. Uh, I must admit, I had a smurf account of my own once. I, I never frown towned oh. anybody now. I, I, oh. didn't, I didn't talk smack. I, I, I felt too guilty uh, because I was just taking care of business at level one. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the thing about League of Legends, though, is that the base characters, the the old timers, those are some of the best characters in the game. They're easy to get, and uh, you know, they're just classic. So, uh, it seems like a lot of the early characters they had like a role. It's like here's your caster, here's your DPS, here's your tank, and it seems like over time they're starting to make you know everyone's kind of have a, a gap closer, and everyone has some form of of self-healing and everybody has some form of escape and it's I don't know it seems like certainly there are some classic characters who are still very competitive but it also seems like the more the the entire pantheon of, of characters grows that you end up just having lots and lots that are kind of falling to the wayside yeah it's it's funny actually if you look at it classically the way they've approached all of this different stuff is that they release all of these characters and as they do they tweak all the older characters so the whole time they're just kind of like cycling through different levels of power <laughs> um, so like you'll have one character he'll get like an update and he'll just kick ass for like a month and then like a new character will come out that'll kind of replace him slightly better and then like a few months down the line that character will get a rebuild and then the other character will get a rebuild and etc and etc so like it kind of encourages you uh, in a very subtle or not so subtle way to keep purchasing newer characters yeah I think the one thing that annoys me about the MOBA style is with it. It's very hard to come back to, even if you enjoy it. It's one of those genres you have to play like once a week, or yeah. every, or you're just going to forget. Or worse, with all the different characters, like the ultimates, each character has like their own, you know, different type. So like yeah. one, you may one character, you know, the best solution is to run at the guy, and then another one is you know get as far away from as possible. Right. But if you haven't played, you won't know that. Of course, you know if you do something wrong. You're going to get it's back to frown town with your whole team. Yeah, no, and I that, that's absolutely right. And I think one thing that I do before is uh, they they offer pretty decent bots. So I'll, I'll always play like a few bot matches, um, and the bots have been updated. Uh, which ones can be put in the PvP or into the AI matches and stuff. So it does give you a little bit of time. Like if you, you do the co-op versus AI, then your team is human and you get to see all of their uh, their ultimates as well. So it, it gives you a little time to like kind of mess around. Uh, and there's always the mute and ignore feature, which I <laughs> liberally apply. Um, which I must apply, uh, apologize to people on Xbox. If you've ever been in a party to me, I didn't speak to you. It's because I've set my settings to not listen to anything that isn't uh, said by someone who's always on my friends list. 
I, I can't handle it anymore. I'm t- I'm tired of, of screaming. I've wondered why you ignore me in all the games. Now it makes sense. No, no, I can hear you, unfortunately. I just can't hear any of them now. The... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I, uh... Friendly fire on zombie mode. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, no, I have so much domination. So much domination. Actually, I've been playing that new bonus uh, map rotation because it's smaller, faster maps. Uh, but good yeah. God, hard I do want to give that give that a try because I, I enjoy I enjoy the smaller map, but I would like a little bit of variation, so that might be kind of fun. Especially if they do, like the old, yeah, that old yeah. mosh pit where you get different modes on the smaller maps. That was still pretty entertaining. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I really liked that, uh, and that's actually what they're doing. So, uh, what I'm going to suggest is that we go do that very shortly. Mm. Um, as long as they don't have the uh, what's it, the search and destroy. That's the one that that utterly messes things up. I don't remember seeing much Search and Destroy. I've seen a lot of hard point, though. It is funny watching the first round of Search and Destroy on one of those mosh pits because everyone's so used to charging and killing that you see everyone charge in until they realize, oh, it's not a respawn, and suddenly everyone gets super campy super fast. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's demeanor does change. Yeah. Um, um, well, uh, all right. Well, that just about wraps it up for us. However... Um, before we go, I would like to say, uh, if you do some shopping via Amazon for the holidays on our website, we get a little bit of a kickback, a little bit of hush money. Uh, so that would be fantastic. Yeah. Like us on iTunes and Josh has a new project that he is working on and he would like to say a few words about that. So take it away, Josh. All right. Uh, this month, I launched a new website called GameWisdom.com. It's Game-Wisdom.com. It's basically a site to critically examine game design and the industry itself. Uh, I've been working with my friend web designer over the summer on this project. And it's basically a way of both uh, as a source for talking about games, as well as spotlighting uh, indie developers, uh, local developer scene. I've or, I just recently put up a spotlight for Drox Operative, the latest game from Soul Deck Entertainment. Yep. And over hopefully over the next few weeks, I'm gonna try to get people. If you have an idea for a guest piece, or if you would like to talk something about game industry, I would love to have to put something of yours up. And I'm also in the middle of hopefully trying to get my own podcast up to talk more about game design with, like, my individuals. Yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds pretty good. Um, you, um, It's game-wisdom.com. It's, yeah. a really, uh, it's a really slick website, and Josh writes very interesting articles uh, dissecting games, and I suggest you take a look. Um, I am pretty curious about Drox Operative myself, uh, but I have not purchased it yet since I am knee-deep in commie blood. Oh yeah, that is that is on the top of my list of waiting for once it moves from beta to to full product. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. It's definitely been it's good. They just released a demo for I think a week or so ago, oh, so you can try that out. And it's definitely gone through a lot of iteration. They've added the same gameplay hasn't really changed much since I first started playing it, but they've just been adding more and more like side events, refining some of the quests making it a little bit easier to get into. But it has been pretty fun. It definitely has been scratching that uh, RPG itch that I have that I, have, I didn't really get from Diablo 3 this year. 
Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, I'd like to uh, check that out then. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, coming in. Everybody check out uh, game-wisdom.com uh, for Josh Meiser's uh, insights. And uh, thanks again for, show, uh, for joining us tonight, uh, Josh and Rob. And for quarter to three, uh, we all say... Good evening and have a happy Thanksgiving. Cheers. Later. Later.